Amen. That's right. They did a great job. It's a great mission opportunity, just like all of the others, and you have the opportunity to be engaged in it. You can be engaged in it on the home front by doing waging war on your knees for those who are in the mission field. You can also participate by going around the world on mission trips. So we did a, a backyard ministry yesterday, rebuilt a deck, and did some yard work in a home in our neighborhood. All kinds of opportunities for you to be engaged in, in missions. And so with that, let me say uh, it's good to be back. I was out last week. We were on vacation, and uh, I love you guys, and I always miss being here with you, uh, but I was here uh, via video as we traveled down the road, and it's a big deal for somebody like me. I take what we do very seriously here. I take my job as pastor and preacher. I take it very seriously, and I don't just trust anybody with this spot up here. Clark covers for me when I'm gone usually, but he was with me, and so I invited Robbie to bring the message last week, and he did a fantastic job, stepped up to the played and challenged, encouraged us to consider next steps in our journey with Jesus. I'm so proud of him and, and how he's growing, and I look for uh, the development of that part of his ministry as we move forward. And so show some love to Robbie for filling for me last week, doing such a great job. And so, uh, so it's been, a, it's been a, a, a different kind of a week. Uh, I was on a cruise ship living the dream uh, with uh, four grandchildren, uh, and uh, that's awesome. And so I, now this week I get to recover. And so it's, it's, a good, it's a good, good week, and we had a fantastic time. But, you know, your week was probably okay too. Maybe you had some upsets, some setbacks, some difficulties. But overall speaking, you had a pretty good week more than likely. Uh, there are those who have lost loved ones in their families and have difficulties with their health and all that. But at the end of the day, overall, it's still probably manageable. Meanwhile, while we're living this kind of life, you go over in the Middle East and you find yourself maybe as a, a Jew, as, as an Israeli, uh, being, under, being attacked by Hamas and thousands of people dying, the, the greatest tragedy in their history in a long time. And then you have the Gaza Strip and you have the Palestinian group Hamas who uh, revealed the true heart of who they are by uh, unannounced uh, uh, attack both air and ground and and killing uh, killing Israelis killing raping and killing women and beheading babies and and all of that it's just it's it, it's 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 a mess and it's terrible and so when you think your life is is tough there's always someone who 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 lives a, a very difficult life more difficult than your own and so it, it pays us dividends sometimes to reconsider and refocus of where uh, where we are in our life and how we view it. Because at the end of the day, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We just don't know. We don't know what today holds. We know we're here in this moment and praise the Lord for that. And I'm, I'm excited you are here. But we don't know what the future holds. Um, some, some, some terrible tragedy could happen in our life this afternoon. But I want you to understand something today. Whether you consider what happened in Israel, what happened uh, on the Gaza Strip or what happens in the, in daily in the inner city streets of our country, what happens to, uh, to, to any, any tragedy in this world, God is not uninformed. You see, God is omniscient, and that word omniscient has the word in it. The shint at the end of it is, uh, is science. It's all knowledge. He's all knowledgeable. There's nothing that happens that he doesn't know that it happens. He knows eternal past that it's going to happen. He's that kind of God, and, it, and it's way outside of our mind to, to, to even to consider that our God is that kind of a God, and yet he is, and it's good to know. 
And so when Jesus, what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, he, he didn't come to, to whitewash or put a fresh coat of, of paint on this broken world we live in. He came to rescue us from it. All right. Now, one day he's going to redo the whole thing. One thing he's going to recreate the whole thing, and it will be unbroken, untarnished, and sinless. But until that day comes, it's broken. And, and every day we watch the news, we get information that they want to give us, okay? But that's all we have. Or we live our lives locally, and we see that this world is broken. And you don't have to look far. You don't have to put on a, get out a magnifying glass to find the brokenness in this, this world. It bombards us everywhere we go. And so the fact that all of this is happening and God is aware of it brings us to a place where we really shouldn't be surprised about what we saw last week on the news. We shouldn't be surprised of what happened in Israel, what, what happened on the Gaza Strip, what happened in the inner cities, because we live in a world that's, that's broken. And sometimes we elevate one evil over the other, but there, we shouldn't be surprised. We live in a world that, that that reaches into the protection, the natural protection of the womb and terrorizes and extracts and destroys life every day in America to the tune of a million babies a year nearly will be aborted. And, and, and we have video games where children sit and play these video games with graphic images of people you know, being shot and being killed and being you know, destroyed right before their eyes. And, and so we become desensitized to, to life. We live in a world where we have, pro we have proven and we demonstrate every day that, that we value an agenda or an opinion or a personal preference over life itself. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we turn on the news and see tragedies around the world. Should we be brokenhearted? Yes. Should we be burdened about it? Yes. Should we be prayerful about it? Absolutely. But should we be surprised? Not at all. Not at all. That's the world we live in. You see, and in the world, in that world that I just described, God reaches from heaven through Jesus, his son, and he invites people out of that world into a world where they can find hope and grace and forgiveness and life both here and forever. And that's why we're here. Now, that's beautiful. That is just beautiful that God would do that. Now, we also live in a world of entitlement where people think, well, I'm a Christian because, I mean, look at me. Why would you not pick me? You know? I mean, heaven is better because I'm going to be there, right? No, we are terrible and we're sinful and we're broken and separated from God. And God chose to love us and invite us into his family forever. He didn't have to do that. And, and so when we begin to change the way we view who we are and how we are through Jesus, God's son, and where we're headed when we die, it changes our perspective. Because at the end of the day, what we see on the news and what we experience in our life in the forms of evil, brokenness, sadness, disappointment, death, all of that, all of that, all we're seeing is the surface. We're not seeing the reason all that is happening. The scripture tells us that all we see is the, the tangible side of the reality of evil in our world. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What we saw on the news in Israel and the God's, that's what we see is flesh and blood, but that's not the real story. He goes on, he tells us, he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, 
against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus told us that. Satan speaks, and when he speaks, he speaks his native language, which is the lie. Scripture tells us that. We know that, that, that Satan's intentions are to destroy everything that God loves. And what God loves most, the pinnacle of his affection, is mankind. Because we are, all, we are the only thing that God created that bears the image of God upon it. So he loves you, okay? His affection is towards you. And Satan hates you. He hates all of mankind. And, and so he, his, his goal is to destroy, to kill, and uh, to, to, to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, here's the, point. here's the point in all that. All that's going on while we're sitting here. All of that is happening out there, up there, in the principalities and the powers of the air. Much of it we see as tangible, but that's happening. We don't know what tomorrow holds. <clears throat> so what happened last week? I was talking with Robbie Leach, a friend of mine who's a pastor, and he said, I think it's like, to me, it's like going to Cracker Barrel, waiting for your table, and sitting down to play checkers. Before you start playing, you have to gather up all the checkers, make sure they're all present and in place. And then you put them on the checker board. And then at some point, somebody makes the first move into the enemy territory. And at the end of it, somebody wins. Now, we don't know if what happened last week is just gathering the checkers, putting the checkers on the board, or if it's the final checker to be placed on the board, or if it's the first move into enemy territory, or if it's almost over and it's one of the final moves in this game uh, of checkers. We don't know. But what we do know is that the end of it God has known every play that has been played and God knows who the winner is. And in God's kingdom agenda, God wins. And you and I, if you're born again, if you're a child of God, adopted into his family through Jesus, you are on team Jesus. And no matter what happens today or subsequent days, at the end of it, we win. Amen? Now, that's reality. But here's the question. If what happened last week was one of the final moves in this game among, between God and the principalities and the powers of the air, and if the next big move that God does, which is on God's calendar, and it really will happen, the harpazo, the catching away of the church. When Jesus calls the church, his, those who are really born again, to, be home, to come home with him in heaven. If that happens, here's the question. Will you go or will you stay? Will you be on that trip or will you be confused wondering if there's going to be another trip headed to heaven? That's a good question. In fact, it is the most significant question any human being can ask in this life is that when this life is over, whether by death or Jesus calling his church home, will I be part of that group? That will be evacuated before hell breaks loose on this earth. Oh, we think it breaks loose now. We have seen absolutely nothing yet. When God removes his church and the presence of the Holy Spirit, hell breaks loose on this earth like no one has ever seen. And so it may sound cliche 
But at the end of the day, Jesus is the answer to the problem, okay? And the question for you is, has Jesus answered your problem, the problem of your sin and your separation from God? Is he truly your savior? Is he truly the Lord of your life? Are you truly born again? Does the spirit of God indwell you? Are you headed to heaven when you die? That's a big deal. And, and sometimes we kind of brush it under the rug and we play at it and we play religion and we play uh, certain disciplines, but at the end of the day, none of that matters. What matters is, does Jesus Christ rule and reign in your life? Because that's all that matters. And so today, we're, we're looking at Acts chapter 2. And, and it's why we have Missions Emphasis Month, because we don't know what tomorrow holds. And so we have within us the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that reaches and penetrates into the darkness of the principalities and the power of the air. And the question is, will we take this light and allow God to use us to penetrate darkness, or will we take that little candle of light and hide it under a bushel and share it with no one? Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. And so we're missional. And so it's why the church exists today, to be light bearers in a dark world. It's why we have Missions Emphasis Month to emphasize that we should be burdened about people in our home, in our neighborhood, in our country, and around the world of where they are spiritually in this, in, in this life. It's why we're studying the book of Acts, because the book of Acts is the birth of the church, and they did it well. 2,000 years later, we're here because they launched well, because they did some things right. And so we've got to learn to share our faith, and we've got to do it the right way. And so as the leader, as a pastor of this church, looking at Acts is great because we can take the template of the early church, which is Acts chapter 2, and we can lay, lay it down and then we can compare ourselves to it. And if we're not doing it the way they did in the early church, we need to adjust. But if we are, we need to expect, okay? And that's what we're going to look at today. We either need to adjust or we need to expect, and you'll see what I'm talking about in a minute. So the series is called, Can I Get a Witness? <clears throat> and we've already seen the early church, which was, had a charter membership of 120, and in one day they grew to 3,120. I mean, they did something right. The Holy Spirit was at work in them because they were, uh, they were willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work through them. We see this awakened group, very missionally minded about the world that they lived in. And that's who we're supposed to be. We're to be awakened spiritually and then mission minded about, it's not just about us. There's a whole world out there that needs to hear what the message of the gospel is. And so Dr. Luke records what happened in the early church. And so in Acts chapter 2, Verse 42 through 47, that's where we are. Open your Bibles, your device, on the back of your life guide. You will see what we're discovering in these few verses, that there are 12 characteristics that we can learn from and we can apply to our personal life and the life of the church, uh, 12 characteristics of the early 
church. Now, if you missed two weeks ago, we covered the first six. If you missed it, I would encourage you to go to YouTube or Facebook and check that out because it'll help you and it'll help us because if you let it help you, it'll help us because we're all part of one family, one body, the bride of Jesus Christ, the church. So here's what we have already seen on the back of your life guide. We, 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 we discovered the first six characteristics, which are this, a devoted church. They were devoted to the teaching of the word of God. Number two, a dedicated church. They were dedicated to each other in this Greek word called koinonia, this, this, this commonality in Jesus. They were, number three, a remembering church. They refused to forget who they were and what Jesus had done to bring them to where they were now. They were a prayerful church. They did war. They battled on their knees. They prayed for themselves and for others and the world. They were an awestruck church. They would not, could not get over what God was doing in their life, what God had done personally to them, and what God would do in the future. They were a generous church. They, they realized everything in their life paled in comparison and became insignificant compared to lifting up the name of Jesus and sharing him missionally around the world. So they gave of their resources, their tithe. They gave of their gifts, their talents. They gave of their service through uh, time. They gave generously for the common good of the mission, which is to share the gospel of Jesus, lift high Jesus in this world, and see God change the world. They were in. They were in that skin in the game. Now, that's the first six. Now, this is new material. We're going to be moving forward. Number seven on the back of your life guide, the the, uh, the awakened missional church was a faithful church. It says now in verse 46, talking about this early church, it says every day they continue to gather together by common consent in the temple courts. You know what that means? They went to church every day, okay? Now, if you're old like me and you were raised in church as I was, you went to church at least three times a week. You went to church on Sunday morning. You went to church on Sunday night. You went to church on Wednesday night. Anybody raised like that? Okay. Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's biblical. They went every day. We had backed up a little bit. We were only going two days a week, Sunday and Wednesday. It wasn't bad. Okay. Because regardless of what you think, you need encouragement from the word of God to, to do battle in this world facing the enemy who hates your everlasting guts okay his goal is to kill you to steal from you everything good and to destroy you and so you need to be together with others and so what do we do as a church today we we have wednesday night at some level we don't do sunday nights people say why don't we do sunday nights because you don't come trust me i would be here me and a half a dozen others we could meet in my office okay you won't come it's all, it's all we can do to get you to come on sunday morning Okay, every week. I'm, listen to me. I'm the preacher. I ain't afraid of challenging you. I expect you to be at church on Sunday. Okay? Guess what? I'm not alone. God does too. I'm keeping good company. Now, that doesn't mean we don't miss sometimes. Okay? But we should look for more reasons to attend than we do for reasons to miss. I missed last Sunday, but I didn't miss it. Uh, I, I missed it physically. I didn't miss it emotionally. 
I'm driving down the road listening to Caleb and the worship team. I'm smiling. I'm singing. I'm having a good time. Kendra and I are talking about, boy, we're so proud of our worship team. We love our worship man, and we do love Caleb as leader. I do. He knows that. I tell him all the time. There, I don't, there's, no, there's no wondering about that. And, and, and then when they finished, Robbie got up, started preaching, and I'm sitting there grinning and laughing, and I laughed out loud. I'm driving down, and Robbie said that Jesus called his disciples a bunch of goobers. I laughed out loud, sent him a text, so when he finished, he could answer the question, what scripture are you reading where Jesus called his disciple a goober? Okay? He said the NIRV, New International Robbie Version. Okay? Now, I do that. I do that too. Okay? So, I mean, I'm having a good time. I'm having church. We're driving down the road, but it's not church. We're just driving down the road, listening to the worship service, and we're growing in our faith. And, and, so, and so we live in a world that says, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You've heard that. Uh, Tony Evans just recently had this quote. He said, I've often been told I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, to which I say no, and you don't have to go home to be married. But if you fail to show up regularly, it will affect your relationship. Amen? It's truth. It's the truth. You don't have to go home to be married, but if you don't show up regularly, it's going to mess you up. And it's the same with being together with, with the church. Listen, I, I in the early service, this, this dawned on me while I was preaching, and I was thinking, what is the big deal about coming together? You know, what, what's the big deal coming together on Sunday morning? If you're born again, you're a child of the Most High God. The God of the universe, the God of eternity has adopted you into his family. Do you realize the significance and the magnitude of that? It's beautiful. And when we all come together, it moves the heart of God. How do I know? We were on a cruise this week. And Kendra and I, most of the time, beat our family to the dinner at night. Because, you know, you can look at me and tell I'm very hungry. Okay? And so we would meet them at dinner table. And we're talking and we're having a, a good time. Looking out the wind at the ocean. You know, having a glass of water, eating some bread. But the fun, the joy... The heartbeat happens when Clark and Kelsey and Caitlin show up with Judson, Juliana, Major, and Macon. You see, now our family has come together. And all of a sudden, man, my heart's beating out of my chest. I'm full of joy and excitement because I don't know what they're going to do next, you know, and I don't know who's going to be annoyed the most from surrounding tables, okay? And I'm loving it. My heart's just, and it dawned on me. When we come together at church, I think the heart of God just swells with emotion of excitement and love toward us because his family is coming together. And if you have a family that meets at Thanksgiving or Christmas, you get a, the, the vibe of that. There's something happens that when the children come together and they're in one place, it's just the joy swells up. And so Hebrews 10, 25, in case you wonder about church attendance, it says, not abandoning our own meetings as some are in the habit of doing. That's true but encouraging each other and even more so because you see the day drawing near and it shouldn't take an event in the Middle East to make you wonder if the day draws near because all of Scripture's uh, prophecies toward the second coming are fulfilled. Jesus can come back today. There's nothing that could, that's holding him back. The only reason he hasn't come, as Peter tells us, because he's patient and willing that none should perish, but all would have eternal life. That's why he's waiting. But when his patience is over, we're out of here, 
okay? And so we need to know. Now, I am not bashful about challenging and encouraging people to be faithful to the Lord's church. I am not, I will not be that guy that says, oh, well, it really doesn't matter if you come to church. I'm the guy that says, oh, it really matters that you come to church. You say, well, nobody misses me when we're gone. The body misses the parts of the body that are not there. Other parts of the body step into cover, but you are missed when you are not here because you, God has placed you here as a part of the body. Now, I'm gonna read this because this is what, when I was putting my notes together, this is what came out. I believe with, the reason I challenge people to be faithful, because I believe with all that is in me that this nation and our world is going to hell on a fast track, and one of the greatest contributors of that is that the church is under-challenged from the pulpit and over-committed to the world. Amen. It's the truth. You're over-committed to the world. All of us are. It's the world we live in. In a successful world, in a world of freedom where we have anything we want, our wants and desires ultimately can be fulfilled, we're overcommitted to the world. And we're under-challenged often from the pulpit. So I'm gonna challenge you. Man, I want you to know, I expect you. I look for you. I'm disappointed when I don't see you. Kendra and I have these comments. Did you see so-and-so? Yeah, I saw him. Did you see him? I didn't see him. Did you see so-and-so? I didn't see him. Did you see him last night? I didn't see him last night. What's going on? I don't know. Okay, we, 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 we notice, we notice. And so the church is still the instrument chosen by God to carry the gospel message to, into the darkness of the world, a message of hope and redemption and, and life and eternal life. That's you, that's, that's what you're here for, is to take what you have and share it with the world who doesn't have it yet. Number eight, not only is it the awakened missional church faithful, but the awakened missional church is hospitable. It says now, going on in the same verse, it says, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food. The awakened missional church, man, just wanted to get together and have a meal together. Earlier we saw that they took the Lord's Supper. They had communion together. Now they're breaking bread. The different Greek words suggest that they're eating meals together. There's something about eating meals together. We have a group, Kendra and I teach a group or lead a group, facilitate a group, whatever you want to call it. And we meet on Sunday nights, it's young married couples, and we meet together at 5.30 and we start out, we say a prayer, hey man, we have a good time, we're chattering. We say a prayer, you know what we do next? We eat. <laughs> I love that group. I love a group that eats, okay? I love it, okay? So we eat, we have a good time, don't stand. It's good, to, you led it last week, thank you, okay? We have a good time. Now, eating just kind of sets the tone. You know, we're full, we're, you know, and, and then we get into our lesson. We have people who meet all week long during the week in their homes. They open their homes, all right? They open their homes and, and have group in their house, and they have a meal together. Now, I know some people are like, I ain't doing that, okay? And, and let me tell you who would say that, the wife, okay? Because most of the guys, man, that looks clean. And the wife's like, you are blind. Okay, that's not clean, Clean is we can eat off the floor, you know. And, and we have a, a lot of young people. And you have two or three little children. One's called tornado. One's called hurricane. One called typhoon. You clean your house. They come through the house. And it's like they come through and say, what's this doing up here? That should be over there, you know. Anybody got a child or a grandchild like that? Anybody got multiple of the same person? Yes, they do. I'm going to get my water right here. I don't know why I threw that over here. 
could have been the iPad. So here's the deal. That's what they do. And so now the house is a mess. I cannot let people see. I want people to think that I live in a perfect castle where it's always clean and pristine. Does anybody live there? Anybody got that house where it's pristine and clean? Because if you do, we're bringing a group to your house tonight, okay, to mess it up. We're bringing our kids too and grandkids, okay, show you how the rest of us live, all right? But people are hospitable. Why? Because the early church was hospitable. They invited their friends and their neighbors. Hey, why don't you come over for bread? Why don't you come over and have a meal with us? Let's just open our doors and let people come in. Oh, you haven't heard the story of Jesus? You're, you're not part of God's family? Why don't you come over and have a meal with us? And we want to share with you the love that we found, the story of eternity that it has entered our life. And so the church, the Awakened Missional Church must be hospitable. Number nine, the, the Awakened Hospitable Church needs to be unified. It was a unified church 2,000 years ago. It says, with glad and humble hearts. You know what that means? This was a church that had no big eyes and little U's. Sometimes people want to put the preacher on a pedestal. Oh, he's the pastor. Oh, he's the preacher. He's flesh and blood. You poke me, poke you, we both bleed red. Okay? You punch me, I punch you, we both hurt. Okay, we live in the same fallen world. We still all have flesh, uh, flesh bodies that respond to the fallen world the same. We are just people. Now, I'm delighted that God called me. I didn't go hunting to be a preacher. I didn't ask for this. He called me. I do it, and I'm glad I get to do it. But at the end of the day, I'm just a human being just like you. I'm no better, no worse. I'm just the shepherd that gets to lead y'all. And I'm, 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 I'm so proud that God allows me to do that. But listen, there's no big me and little you. And there wasn't in the early church. Listen, in, 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 in the early church and in the church today, we, we've got to realize we have more in common than we have in difference. Our commonality, our unity is found, listen, and not in agreeing on everything. Our common ground is Jesus Christ. Our common ground is that we were sinners headed to a torment in an eternity called hell, but Jesus Christ stepped into the middle of our mess through his shed blood on a cross and rescued us from our, uh, our uh, predestined eternity and set us on a new course and a new trajectory to spend eternity together in heaven with Jesus. That's good. That's what we're built on. And that's what the church grows on. And so their gladness in oneness was greater than the proudness in rightness. I'm going to say that again. Their gladness in oneness was greater than their proudness in rightness. You see, sometimes we just want to be right. Whether it's good for unity, whether it's good for the family of God, whether it's good for God's kingdom agenda, we're more interested in being right uh, than we are in being one. And so our common ground is lifting Jesus up and sharing him with our world and the rest of the world. And so they were so preoccupied with Jesus. They didn't have time to get the magnifying glass out to find the faults and the weaknesses and the failures and the shortcomings of the people around them. And you know, we do that sometimes. We look around and we say, yeah, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. They said this. They said that. And we just pick each other apart. You know, there's a scripture about that. Why do you pick a speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a tree growing out of your face? And that's what we do. We forget about the tree in our face and we start finding the little specks in other people's business the early church didn't do that. They were preoccupied 
with the grace gift of Jesus and sharing him with the world, they didn't have time to be complaining. They didn't have time to be jockeying around for prominence, prominence or prestige. They just wanted more of Jesus in this world. Number 10, not only were they faithful, hospitable, and unified, number 10, they were a worshipful church. It says, and praising God. Yeah, that's it. And praising God. Man, this is about some praise. They got, the, they got the praise on. Every day they woke up, let's get the praise on. Okay. And, and, and we live in a world that we have failed to get our praise on. And, and I told Caleb this, that of all of the areas, of the, all of the 12 characteristics, I think this is the one that would be the easiest, most readily obtainable, the easiest step for us to take and grow so much and that is to praise God more freely and more easily. Listen to me. If you are a child of God, born again into his forever family, through Jesus, his son, you got something to praise. Doesn't matter how bad your day is. Doesn't matter the train wreck that seems to have crashed in your front yard this past week. You've got a God who is right here with you and is planning your eternity as we speak. We've got a reason to praise and a reason to worship our God. Here's the problem. Only when we realize where we came from can we truly appreciate where we're going to. Only when we realize who we were before Jesus can we really just stop, throw our hands up, and say, praise the Lord, because we know where we're going. Let's just, everybody put your hands up and say, praise the Lord. That was hard for some of y'all. That was, that was than a middle school football game praise. Middle schooler get a touchdown, they're doing more than that. Let's just act like we're at the middle school football game. They just scored the winning touchdown. Praise the Lord. You just went up to high school. That's it. I'll guarantee you, if you went to the UT game yesterday, when we kicked that field goal at the end to put us six, uh, seven points ahead, do you think it sounded anything like that? No. The bolts were shaken out of the steel beams in that structure, okay? And meanwhile, we celebrate that. And we celebrate other things. And meanwhile, we've got a God who loves us unconditionally and has provided us redemption and eternity through Jesus' his Son we got every reason to praise, and we need to learn to praise. And so, at the end of the service, we're going to sing a praise song. We've set the stage to liberate you, okay? Now, i got to share this. I was raised in a church where if you raised your hand, you had a question, okay? Somebody raise their hand, preacher say, yeah, got a question? Oh, sorry. Sorry, I, I came from a Pentecostal background. I didn't know we was allowed, not allowed to do that, Okay. And so it's awkward. It's awkward. When I said put your hands up, some of y'all just, I, don't, I ain't comfortable with that. Okay, I've got, I can't, I've got to hold my Bible. Okay. But it is. And I remember I was raised in that vein where you just didn't, you didn't do that. Okay. I remember listening to worship. And I remember the preacher saying, oh, we get to heaven, we're going to sing. The choir would finish singing. And they're going to say, we get to heaven, we're going to sing forever. And what I just heard, I'm thinking, I'm not sure I want to go. If we're going to be doing that forever, what's the alternative, okay? And, and, and so only when I was probably 28 years old, I was at a youth conference and had a band playing. And we're singing this song, and the Lord said, put your hands up. And I'm like, I ain't got no questions. 
said, put your hands up. I put my hands up. And it liberated me in that moment. And tears started coming down my face. I didn't know what was going on, but all, I was just being obedient because he deserves our worship, okay? He just does. And I know you can say, well, I can worship and never sing a note. I can worship and never raise a hand. I can worship and never do, never even think about it. You can, but you can't do it very good, okay? We need to be willing to worship. And I'm not saying everybody has to put their hands up. You don't have to put your hands up. But if God moves your heart, stirs your heart, you should, if, you ever, if you ever think, I feel like I ought to put my hands up, but I'm a little uncomfortable, you need to put your hands up. I can assure you of that. That's coming from the Holy Spirit, okay? And so we need to be people who worship God. Number 11, we need to be a caring church. It says having the goodwill of all the people. We're a church who needs to care about more people than just ourselves. When you look at our budget line item, when you look at the line items of our budget, we give 10% of our annual revenue to missions. That means if we bring in this year 1.3 million, we'll give about 130,000 in sending people around the world, sponsoring different organizations who are, who, who are in different ministry, uh, ministry or missions, endeavors, okay? Um, we, we care for, we, we provide things to our schools, and we need to. We need to care about our military. We need to care about our government. You need to pray for your government. They have lost their marbles. They're leading our, our country, and they are loony tombs. And you need, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for our first responders. A young man was in my youth group just uh, years ago, and just not a couple of weeks ago, he got shot, and he died. They need our prayers, okay? They're standing in the gap. We need to pray for our families. We need to care. We need to care for our neighborhoods. I was talking with a guy yesterday, and, and Knoxville, Knox County is growing at a rate about 2% a year uh, where other people are experiencing recessions. Okay, there's a reason we're not in this recession. A lot of people want to come to East Tennessee. It's a really good place to live. If you don't think it's a good place to live, listen, you could live in Israel. How's that? You could live on the Gaza Strip. You could live in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, you could live in Michigan. Okay, nothing wrong with those. But it ain't East Tennessee, okay? You woke up this morning to a 60-degree morning with the leaves changing. It's some sweetness in that. And because of that, people are coming here from other places in our country and from around the world. And they live in your neighborhood. They live on your street. And often we let years go by, and we don't even know who they are. I want to challenge you to care for the people that God puts in your circle. Walk down the street and say, hey, I noticed you got a moving truck. Are you coming or going? Okay, well, we're coming. We'll be back this evening. We're going to bring you some barbecue. That's how we roll up in East Tennessee. Okay, share some love. Why? Because as it has been said so often, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And the church, the missional awakened church must be a church that cares for others. So we've covered 11. Let me just, let me just sound them out the awakened missional church was and must continue to be devoted dedicated remembering prayerful awestruck generous faithful hospitable unified worshipful and caring and when the church looks like it did 2,000 years ago and when it looks like that next week and the weeks that follow number 12 the characteristic is this the awakened missional church is an expanding church. It's growing. 
It's a growing church. Why? Because God has established a template for the church just to, just to go by, just to live like, just to act like, just to love like. And that's all we do. We just do like they did. And then God does the rest. How do I know? Because Jesus said, I'll build my church. In other words, that's not your job. Your job is to act like you belong to my church. I'll do the building. He said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. In other words, everything that the enemy ever uh, 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 sends toward the church will not prevail. Oh, he may win a battle along the way. He may cause some harm or conflict along the way, but he will not win. He will not win the war. He says in this passage, he continues the final verse. He says, and the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. <laughs> that is just so cool. Every day people getting saved. And we, we are at a church, you're part of a church where people get saved a lot. There's people right now, there are people right now who are going through discipleship, getting ready for the next step, which is baptism. We have children, we have adults. We have people who are waiting to, uh, for their family to be able to make it because they want them to celebrate uh, their next step, which is baptism. And there's people, we, we baptize uh, hundreds of people and it's beautiful. But listen, he wants more. I love being in a church where people get baptized. I told him the other day, I like it, man, when people get saved. I love it when people get baptized. And I said, that'd be a good song. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. And you say, well, why would you quote a country song? Because it's the heartbeat of God. God, when it comes to this, people getting saved and following Jesus in baptism, God's like, I love, I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Church, where are you at? Can I get a witness? That's right. That's what it's all about. Our being instruments of light in a dark world, helping people find their way to the greatness, the glory, the life, the hope, the redemption found in Jesus Christ. And so the church went from 120 to 3,120 people in one day. And then he started adding to them daily. And he is not done yet. I have people from time to time in conversations and they'll, they'll say, they'll say, yeah, we don't count people in our church because we're not all about the numbers, okay? To which I would say, do you take up an offering? They say, yeah. Do you count it or just shove it in a shoebox and put it under the desk? Oh, we count it. Yeah, you count what matters to you. I count what matters to me. When I was 30 and I was giving X number of dollars to my 401k, I wasn't paying attention to my quarterly statements because time was my friend and I knew it's volatile and ultimately it'll be okay. Now I'm in my 60s and I pay attention to every statement because time is not my friend, okay? I, I count what matters. You count what matters. I want you to know every week somebody counts you. Did you know that? Every week somebody counts every little baby in our preschool, every child in our children's department. We know how many cars are in a parking lot. We count. You care about cars? We care about cars because we want to know how many people are riding in each car. So we'll know how many parking spots we have to have to, to allow people to park when you show up. And you know what y'all are doing? Y'all are driving to, to church here about, about uh, 1.7 people per car. Some of y'all got four cars here in the same family. 
just gas is so cheap you're burning it while it lasts. I don't know. Okay? And it's okay. We're going to make a spot for you. But we count what matters. The Holy Spirit inspired Luke to count what matters. He says there was 120. 3,000 got saved. Now there's 3120. Now we're adding each day. We're going to see in the next couple weeks thousands more join. And over the 2,000 years since this early church happened, literally billions of people have been added into God's forever family. Billions. But there are also billions who refuse to receive it or never heard it. And that's our job. That's our calling. And so, and so as we finish, I read a report right before we went on vacation. And it established some challenges for the church of today. The first one it says was more churches are in significant decline. It says compared to three years ago, which would be 2020, a higher percentage of churches say they're facing serious attendance decline. In 2020, 27% of religious congregations said that they had lost more than 25% of their service attendance. In 2023, the survey revealed that now 30% of the churches report a similarly steep drop, fine-tuning it. LifeWay researched only Baptist churches and determined that 39% are declining more than 10% annually and 42.5% are plateaued, meaning no growth and no decline. Number two, aging leaders and congregations. The Hartford Institute research found the age of the clergy on the increase, climbing from 57 in 2020 to 59 in 2023. Not only is the pulpit graying, it says, but so are the pews. In 2020, 33% of the congregational members were over 65 years old. That has grown from 36% to 36% in 2023. In mainline Protestant churches, nearly 50% of the people are older than 65. Number three, less desire to change. Churches are now less likely to be willing to change. The Hartford Institute reports that historically demonstrated a link between willingness to change and church growth. Now fewer churches indicate a desire to change their methodology to reach lost people. In the spring of 2020, almost three out of four churches said they were willing to change. In 2023, it's down to 66%. Two out of three said they were willing to change. Number four, exhausted pastors. In a 2021 survey research study found that few pastors annually left the ministry the annual rate of pastors leaving the pulpit in 2021 was 1.5, slightly higher than 1.3 in 2015. But it goes on. The Hartford Institute report found that pastors have grown more likely to consider leaving their specific congregation and the ministry completely. In 2021, 79% of church leaders said they never seriously considered leaving their congregation in 2023, only 62% said they never thought about leaving. A similar jump among those considering leaving ministry altogether. In 2021, 63% said they considered leaving ministry altogether. In 2023, half, less than half, 49% said that they never think about leaving ministry. 
Now, what does that mean for us? We're not normal. We don't fit this. That's not us, except for the old preacher. I am that guy, okay? The pastor's gray. I'm outside. I'm that, I'm that guy. I'm 61, Lord willing, keeps giving me health, sanity of mind. I want to be doing it when I'm 81, so deal with it. And if y'all run me off, I'll start another one down the road, okay? Until he calls me home. That's what he put me here for. Retirement is not in sight for me, okay? But what about the rest of it? Well, nine years ago, there were about 50 people meeting in what is now the student center right over there. Today, the average attendance is about 650 weekly. Over a period of nine years, we've experienced exponential growth at about 33% per year. Why? Because we've been awakened. Amen. Amen. That is the handiwork of God, Jesus building his church, okay? And the reason he's chosen to do that is because we align in many areas regarding the characteristics of the awakened missional church, just like it was in Acts chapter 2. And as long as we continue to do that and keep diving in deeper in those areas, I truly believe that God is going to do greater things in the life of our church. And as he does greater things in the life of the church, it's because he's doing greater things in the life of the individuals who make up the church. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm telling you this. If you will step in deeper deeper water with Jesus Christ and allow him to use the gifts you've given him to fulfill the mission of the church, listen, he will bless your socks off he will change and rock your world what you thought your your spiritual life was before will nowhere no way be compared to what he has for you in the future if you'll simply take steps forward double down on the gifts God's given you and align yourself with what it means to be part of the of the awakened missional church and we live in a world where there's a lot of confusion so let me just dispel these and we're done There are clubs and groups and fraternities in this world, and that's great. It's not the church. On the lake with your family, I love it, but it's not the church. COVID puts some people sitting on the couch in their underwear having church. Great. It's not the church. In a tree stand, a round of golf with friends, a vacation to the beach, a tournament at the ball field. Fantastic. Great. Not the church. Ladies, multi-denominational midweek Bible study group serving one of the ministries downtown like 11B. Beautiful, but not the church. That is your discipleship network. That is your service outlet or ministry opportunity. But the parachurch, the good things in this world, they are not the church. The church is the blood-bought bride of Christ who comes together regularly to be encouraged and challenged to take the light of the gospel into the darkness of this world. That is the church. And you are, God has sovereignly allowed you to be a part of a fantastic church, not because I'm the pastor, but because Jesus is the Lord. Amen. Now, people say, Thank you, all four of you. I don't do anything for applause or I'd be, I would have quit a long time ago. Some people say, well, Bible says where two or more are gathered, I am in their midst. That's Matthew 18. That's not the church. That's the requirement for church discipline. 
That's so you have the right amount of witnesses to discipline somebody for doing wrong who claim to be part of the church. So Jesus is building his church. And so the question today for you is this. Are you devoted to the teaching of his word? Are you dedicated to others in the fellowship, in the church, in the family of God? Are you good at remembering where you came from and where God has delivered you to? Are you doing battle on your knees? Are you praying every day? Are you awestruck at the greatness of your God? Are you generous with all that God has given you? Are you faithful to the Lord's church that you call your home? Are you hospitable toward others in your family, in your neighborhood, on the job? Are you unified in your attentions at the church? Are you worshipful to God who deserves all of your worship? Are you caring for others more than you care for yourself? If you are, that is why the church is expanding. And if you will continue to be, the church will continue to expand. So at the end of the day, here's the question for the day. Are you born again? Are you certain you're going to heaven when you die? Because we do not know what the future holds. And we do not know when Jesus is going to, his patience is going to wear thin and he's going to come home for his church. And if you're not born again, you need to go before God, repent of your sins, and receive freely the gift of Jesus Christ into your life. That's where it begins. Let the Holy Spirit fill you and save you today. Do not miss that opportunity because we're not guaranteed a tomorrow. Number two, maybe you're born again and most of us are. Okay, are you engaged in God's kingdom agenda through his local church? Are you committed and faithful using your gifts, serving and giving and and being a part, an active part of his kingdom through his local church? This is your opportunity to double down and be a part of what God wants to do through his church. I'm just amazed that God does what he does. I'm amazed that he lets me participate in it at any level. And you should be too. And so I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I pray for those that may be lost today, separated from you, and they know it because they feel the Holy Spirit inviting them out of that darkness and into your light. God, I pray that any other spirit other than the Holy Spirit would be bound from this place, eradicated, evicted in this moment, and your Holy Spirit would speak to their heart. God, I pray in this moment that they would hear your invitation and they would receive it and they would be saved today. God, I pray for the rest of us that are already born again. We're already on Team Jesus, and we know that if you come back today, you're taking us with you. What a glorious moment that will be. But God, we pray until you do that or until you take us home that we would be just just seriously devoted to your bride, the church, every aspect of it. That there, would be, that there would be nothing else on our radar, nothing else on our schedule that would compare to our focus and our faithfulness to the church and to Jesus Christ. Speak to us in this moment. Help us respond in Jesus' name. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.